to the teaching ministry of Hope Point Church. Today on our podcast, we'll hear from previously incarcerated inmates that are graduating from the Jumpstart Ministry Program. Hear how God moved in their lives and how God can prove powerful in your life. Let's listen in as Richard guides this unique service. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, The old has gone and the new has come. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But how can they believe unless someone tells them? And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. No one lights a light to put it under a basket. Let your light shine in a way that Men will see your good works and bring honor to your Father in heaven. Those who are wise shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness shine like the stars forever and ever. I don't know of a ministry that takes more seriously the call of God to shine in this dark world uh, than the the men and women who serve on the staff and volunteers and the board of, of Jumpstart. Um, We've been in a series the past few weeks of light versus dark, and the theme of that has been, in the Lord, you you were darkness, but now in the Lord, you're light. Therefore, live as children of light. And there's not a ministry that excites me more than going into the darkness like Jumpstart Prison Ministry, and three of the staff members are on stage today, Don Williams, who's in charge of Uh, sort of the director of employment and staff development, William Harrison, who's in charge of pastoral care, uh, and Karen Underwood, Underwood, who's the director of operations, and there are other board members and other staff members with us today, and we're we're so grateful for you. Uh, Jumpstart currently is serving in 17 prisons uh, in South Carolina and also has the developing stages of some prisons in, um, in Georgia and Alabama, and we hope and trust that this will be nationwide uh, in, in the Lord's time in a few years. Beginning in 2008, Jumpstart really only had one goal, and that's to walk into the darkness of prisons and to say, <clears throat> we want to develop disciples for anybody who wants to come into the light of Jesus Christ. And so they do that primarily through a 40-week um, Uh, discipleship program 40 weeks before an inmate is released, followed by 40 weeks after the inmate is released. And today we're on the end of that second 40-week period with celebrating the graduation of those who've been in this 40-week plus 40-week discipleship ministry. When an inmate is released, Jumpstart serves them well by providing temporary housing, helps with job placement, gets them in Uh, community groups so they can live out the vision of Jumpstart, which is accountability, responsibility, and submission to authority. There are more opportunities than you could ever imagine to work with these men and women of Jumpstart. And so we hope that after the service today, you'll you'll look at the table out front. There's brochures. There's people to talk to. Uh, One of the more exciting things that we're going to dedicate later in the week in the county is Restoration Village, a new community uh, where men and women uh, post-prison can live together uh, in a very vibrant community. And we're, we're dedicating Restoration Village. You are valuable there. Just please go and learn all that you can about Jumpstart 
uh, ministries. Today we have the privilege of hearing from those, five or six of this service and about the same number in the second service, who've graduated uh, from the second 40-week uh, class. And I want Don Williams to come and just introduce each one of them to you. And uh, we are more than excited. We cannot put it in words to hear the story that God has written in your life. Don, please come introduce our brothers and sisters. Good morning, Hope Point. I want to introduce... I didn't let y'all speak. Good morning, Hope Point. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, so our first graduate that I want to introduce to you, his name is Richard Welch. He's going to come up and share just a little bit about himself and his experience in Jumpstart. Y'all give a hand for Richard Welch. How y'all doing this morning? You know, I never thought that I would amount to anything. But one thing that comes to my mind was the day that I got arrested. I turned myself in. You know, some would view that as a dark place in their life, but for me, I looked at it as a point of freedom. I grew up in a broken home, battered and bruised my whole life. But on December 20th of 2011 was the day that I actually started to live. I gave my life to Christ in a holding cell. Darkness just filled the room and I felt like my life was just slipping away. And I heard this voice whispering in my heart, Son, if you would just give your life to me, I would restore all the years the canker worm and the locusts have destroyed. And that's the day that I began to live. I saw that I went from abused to adopted. I went from adopted to adored. I went from prison to preaching the gospel. When I first got locked up, I got to the first institution that I was assigned to. I got my GED. I scored the sixth highest in the nation after being out of school for 22 years. 90 points shy of a perfect score, but God wasn't done. I was accepted to a program for Columbia International University Prison Initiative, where I went on to earn an associate's degree. In the process of that, I, I learned uh, hospice care. And that's when God began to show me that mercy and grace, to love someone who's at their end, transitioning from this life to the next. And he began to show me a ministry and a family that I'd always prayed for. My family wasn't there for me, but as I began to listen to God's voice, he told me to look around. All the things that I prayed for, it didn't seem like it was coming to pass. And I can hear him speak to me once more. And I began to weep. And he asked me, he said, am I not enough? This is your family. But he extended it that much further when he introduced me to my Jumpstart family. It hasn't been an easy transition. It never is whether you're on the inside coming to the outside or you're on the inside here reaching for the outside. I love each and every one of you. I don't know who you are, but God has placed you in my life for a reason, to encourage me to continue to share the gospel to those who don't know him. And the more I share, the more I gain. He said he wants us to have our heart's desire but first, he wants us to desire him first. Amen? Amen. We love you guys, and I, I appreciate y'all being here. Thank you.
Next up, I tell y'all, we in for a treat today. Next up is Elizabeth Welch, ladies and gentlemen. Well, um, I'm not as well-spoken as my husband, but um, (laughs) I'm just very appreciative to be here. Um, Like he said, Jumpstart is our family. You know, they welcomed us in with open arms. They've been nothing but supportive to us through every trial we've been through, helping us in every way that we could ask for. Um, And it's just been such a blessing The last few years were so hard, but um, like the song said, you know, Jesus was with us. And I see that it was all to build me into who I am today, to make me a stronger person, to, to put me in the lives of people that... I'm supposed to to give my testimony to and to share with. Um, I, I would just work at a, a little thrift store and I talk to people and it's just amazing just sharing just even a little bit of my story, how much it touches people. So I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be a servant of Christ and I just thank y'all for everything y'all have done. <laughs> Wow. Next up, we're going to have our third graduate, Mr. Reginald Lyles, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Amen. Um, Truly, I give um, the praise and glory to my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It is because of his extended grace and mercy to me, that I can testify to the goodness of God. Um, Everybody has a story to tell. And uh, if I told my whole story, it would take up both these services and probably a little bit more. But I have uh, broken it down and uh, and brevity to the best I can. Um, There were years in my life that I lived my life in accordance to the song of, that old song by Uh, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Now, it was my life, and so I had the right to do it my way if I wanted to do it my way, and I did it my way. Um, I did it without the suggestions or opinions of anyone else. I made my own choices and decisions. Um, But what I didn't uh, come to realize is that at the end, that those choices and decisions it cost me. And you know what it cost me? It cost me nine years in prison. Nine years in prison. And without going into detail, I tell you, that was a dreary, dreary time of my life. In saying that, I'd like to take you for a moment to the book of Isaiah um, to share a few verses of scripture with you. And those scripture reads as follows. Seek the Lord with... Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are 
Your ways are my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, that was Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. Now, I am now 60 years old, but at the age of 55 and 6 months old, I made a resolve that I would no longer live my life my way, the way I wanted to live it. I resolved to live it God's way. Let God's thoughts override my thoughts. So in closing, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear me clearly. When you take this word and make it applicable to your life and your lifestyle, I can attest to you that God, Jesus Christ, will make it worth your while. Thank you for your attention. And our final graduate that's going to be coming to the stage sharing of his story. Well, we have one more after this young man. But Stephen Roberts, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage. Thank you. I ain't used to have a microphone, huh? Pretty loud by itself. I used to facilitate the program inside the prison. So it's a blessing to be out here graduating, being in front amongst among all of you. There's so many people behind the scene that makes this possible that you don't get to see. And I realized in Christ, it ain't about being seen, it's about him being seen. And I thank every one of you for supporting the ministry, for coming out and showing the love of Christ, because it takes the love of Christ to love someone like me. I heard a lot of people done a lot of bad things, want to give up, don't deserve a second chance, but God. I came down from Michigan, chasing after my wife. She left me for drugs. I was the one doing them. She wasn't doing them. But she gave me a chance to come down here. And God touched my life. I got into uh, church. He took the desires away. There's a root issue that if we don't deal with, it will come up and it will fester in your life. And it says, as the pastor said earlier, the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creature. If any man be in Christ, if I wasn't in Christ, I was walking with Christ. I wanted to know Christ, but I still plead Steve. It hurt. Family didn't deserve it. I went to jail. I want to give up. Haven't seen my kid in 14 years. That's my doing. I did that. Cried. Want to give up. Don't see no more purpose. How can I live? If any man be in Christ. When I cried out in that cell, I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do these 13 and a half years. Convicted, going to divorce court, watching my wife leave. It was hard. I hurt someone I loved. But God put people in my life. Says, I got a plan for you. Brings beauty from ashes. He can make a purpose. So either I can well and dwell in, in my despair 
I could press forward to a higher calling. So I wanted to take my life. And I gave my life to Christ that day. Even though I was going to church, playing church, going to the altar, I had a heart desire to seek him. But I had worldly, fleshly desires that I entertained. And uh, it, led to, it led to a lot of time, a lot of hurt. But God, in prison, being able to share that pain with others, I realized you can confess all day to God how sorry you are and how much you regret what you've done. But when you confess it to your brother, it says in uh, Proverbs 28, 13, he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth it shall have mercy. So it's through Jumpstart, through a covenant partner I had back in, uh, I think it was 09 or 2010 at Broad River. I was able to confess these things, and he still looked at me like he'd never seen me as guilty. He'd seen me as Christ seen me. And shame was given, taken away. And as that shame was taken away, there was a much, there's so many guys in prison, shame has overwhelmed them. But then when they see the freedom that you have, they want to know about it. And all it is is God. Now, if man, if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature. And ain't no more ifs. I am in Christ. I am that new creature. So now I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ liveth in me. And a life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he died for me. And I thank all of you for coming out. I thank Jumpstart for the opportunity to get back everything I gave the enemy. I've been out nine months, graduating a little bit early. 10 months. Uh, I just went into phase three. I'm in my own place, living by myself. No more living with guys. I love you guys. And I love it. It's great. I got my CDL, got my hazmat, my tanker, my doubles endorsement. I go for my biker's riding permit. I already got the permit. I'm getting everything back. And one day, God's going to bring them children back. So I thank you guys for being privileged. We might have to have a box of tissue up here for the next service because I knew the tears was coming. I just didn't know when. So next, I want to introduce Gerald Bunny Ammons to you, ladies and gentlemen. So it's actually Bonnie, Bonnie Gerald Ammons. So. Um, yeah, when I was uh, back there behind the fence, I didn't, it's like a, he said a while ago, it's overwhelming. Didn't know what, what you expect, what you're going to do when you come, went in there. But, and then what to expect when you came out. But if it wasn't for Jumpstart, they've actually helped me to get back over my wife and my kids. Which they actually live down there in Patrick, South Carolina. I still live up here. I go down there on the weekends to visit them every weekend. I got my own place now. And God's helped me get my vehicle my house, and going to church. And if it wasn't for going to church, I wouldn't even know. It's, it's, it's God is doing everything for me so far. And he, he's the only one that'll do for you. And it's like my work, 
where I work at is a Christian-based company. Every morning we have prayers. Um, we have meetings every morning. And we've actually got a preacher that comes in for men and a preacher comes in for women. Even though we don't have uh, women, but women that works in the office, that's it. But we got them to come in there. And like if our family needs a, like, let's say my, I need to uh, have a preacher to go to my wife, talk to her. We got one there that will be able to go to her. And it's, it's kind of a, a blessing to have Jumpstart here. And they've actually helped uh, quite a few people to get out back on their feet. And they've, they've showed me how to budget and everything else. And if you didn't know how to budget before you came in, you'll learn to budget before you, when you get out. <laughs> and that's something I didn't know how to do when I went in. I didn't know how to budget. I'll always live paycheck by paycheck. And if they wouldn't have helped me budget, I wouldn't be having my house. But, um, but yeah, they've helped me a lot. And I mean, I get to, go talk, I get to talk to my, my wife and my kids on the phone every night. And that's a blessing. It's, it's kind of hard just to talk to them. I, I wish they'd come up here with me, but they don't. She's, she likes it where she's at. But I can go visit her on the uh, weekends, which is a blessing. All right, well, we're going to introduce our first graduate that's going to be sharing with you in this service, and his name is Lewis Wells. Give it up for Lewis Wells, ladies and gentlemen. Well, y'all didn't want to do this. <laughs> How's everybody? All right. My name is Lewis Wells. Um, let's see here. I don't know where to begin, but... Um, like I said, way back in 1990, I lost my whole life. My life, and like I said, just lost it in 30 seconds, just, just like that. And um, it cost me a 99. So I was incarcerated for 28 and three quarter years. And uh, like I said, I, 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 I thought I would never see the outside again. I thought it was over for me, you know. And, um, like I said, uh, like I say, around like 2000, I guess like 2012, some way, I accepted Christ back in my life, and that's when things began to change. Because like I said, I went up up a road several times, and they kept turning, denying me, denying me, denying me. And it took me five tries before I finally made it. And uh, like I said, when, when I accepted him back in my life, like I say, only good things happen, you know? And uh, like I say, in the last two years and a half, he's been working in my life, and, and, and wonderful things have been happening, you know? And uh, 
Like I said, I'm not a great speaker, but like I said, here I am today. Uh, that's it. I can't, I can't speak to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our next graduate coming to the stage is Leonard Harvley. Give it up for Leonard Harvley, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Excuse me. Can y'all hear me? Good. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Good. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak today. And I really do feel the love of God in this place. Um, from the moment I walked in talking with the preacher, my different brothers and sisters coming up, welcoming me, that feels really good. I appreciate that. Um, what I'd like to speak about was my transition from prison over at MacDougall into Spartanburg, South Carolina here. It's been a long journey, but thank God people put people in my life who helped me to make that transition. Uh, Jumpstart is a great place. Like when you're coming out and you don't have anything. When I got out of prison, I only had like $1,450 to my name, and that's really not enough to make a new start. Um, so they provided a house, but it wasn't just a house and food and clothing that they were able to provide. They gave great counsels and speak. And I know they told us not to, you know, speak on them. But uh, Don, <laughs> Don was a blessing. He's the first one that prayed with me when I got there, when I went upstairs. Karen, I mean, whenever I talk about, let me tell you what my ex-wife is saying. Karen's like really patient. It's like, hmm, okay. And she, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, Brother William, he was the first one that offered me work at Jumpstart. It's like, hey, could you come get this here? Grab that lawnmower. Like, hey, I, I can do a lawnmower. <laughs> and that was fun. Um, but then the main thing about in any program and in life are the people that you meet on that journey, the people that you see along the way. One of the first gentlemen I encountered at Jumpstart was, and unfortunately he's passed away, a good dear brother of mine, Philip Robinson. God bless him. Y'all remember Philip, everyone? Yeah. Philip told me, he said, look, brother, said, if you want to be successful, he says, is there any place in life you're going to go that you're not going to have to pay rent? He said, you're not just going to walk in the store and they're going to hand you this pair of shoes. Actually, I wore these shoes because Philip gave them to me. And I said, uh, no. He says, well, don't let things in your past live rent free in your head. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. But if we dwell on the mistakes instead of our future that we have in Christ, that's where the difference is. That's where the hope is actually found. And I'm talking, again, there's a guy named Charlie. Unfortunately, does everybody remember Charlie? Uh, he also passed away. Good man. Had a lot of tough things going on in his life. But here are the three things, and I'll leave it at that. Um, don't want to go over the two or three minutes here. But <laughs> here's what he says. Number one, he said, throughout your life, you're going to be given choices. And sometimes you may have to choose between three or four different things, whether going to party, uh, studying for a test, um, working extra hours at work, um, going to visit your family when at the same time you have job responsibilities. But make the right choices. And if you have questions about what might be the best option, speak to your friends. And a lot of times um, friends are a great source for advice in giving you the right decisions. Number two, um, whatever you are doing that held you back from serving God, and Philip would say this because Philip used to attend an old church. I uh, said, so whatever choices you're making that's keeping you from your relationship with Christ, stop doing it. That sounds like pretty good advice. 
And number three, every day when you get up, every day, just like the pastor is saying, and um, great pastor, by the way, guys. It said, when you get up in the morning, you know, I don't pull out my wallet. It's all the way across the room. I usually go for the coffee. But um, go to the Lord in prayer. Ask what the Lord has laid upon your heart to accomplish for his purposes. God has given everyone here a purpose in life, and that's to love others. And Philip's final thing was find people that no one cares about and care for them. Reach out for them just as Christ reached out. There was a lady, a Samaritan woman at the well. And he says, Jesus said unto her, go and call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. He says, right you said. Because the person she was living with was not her husband. Christ reached out as a Jew to a Samaritan woman at the well and showed her love. He was welcoming her with open arms. He didn't care about her past. He was only focused on her future. So today, once again, I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Reach out to a stranger, whether you're at Walmart, Ingalls, doesn't matter, in church. And welcome them as a lost brother, a lost sister. And show them the love of Christ as Christ has showed you. All right, thank you, everyone. Y'all have a blessed day. Our next graduate that's coming to the stage is Novi Fontenberry. Give it up for Novi, ladies and gentlemen. You know, right before this service of the testimonial time, we were going into that song that there was Jesus. And isn't that true? Through the darkest moments of your life, when everyone else maybe has forsaken you, Christ is still there. I'm so grateful for that. And I, this past weekend, I was thinking about what I was going to share with you all. And yesterday morning, I had in my devotion, uh, Jonah chapter 1. And you all, if you're familiar with the story here, this is a man of God called to deliver the Word of God, and he runs as far as he can from that call on his life. And as he's running away because he hates the people God has called him to preach to, he finds himself in this disobedient relationship with the Lord, and God brings a storm into his life. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can sense that here, God has got a call on your life, and yet you run from that call for your own pleasure, what you want rather than what he wants. And so here I was in that same situation as Jonah, living for self rather than living for Christ. I knew the Lord before I went to prison. I spent 10 years in that place. I don't want to go back. don't want to have anything to do with it. But uh, while I was on my road to destruction, pleasing self rather than pleasing Christ, uh, God sent that storm. And I praise God that He still sends storms to turn us back to Himself. And as I was going down that path of destruction, like Jonah, here that storm is there and no one else around him knows that he's the cause of all the misery in their life. These people, these pagans, begin to call out to their own gods, it says. And, and the storm is still not still because he's on this ship out in the ocean. And yet, this worthless idols they're calling out to that can't help them. It says here in the text, in Jonah chapter 1, that the shipmaster orders them to take all the wares and throw them into the ocean. And I would imagine along with those wares, I looked up the Hebrew word, and it means tackle or just stuff. Along with that stuff were those idols that got cast out. They couldn't help them. They were just worthless idols. And I had set up an idol in my heart, an idol of lust. And sir, 
Maybe you're here today and you've adopted that as your idol. That pornography or those drugs or whatever it may be. And you're worried about all these people. They find out your secret sin. You're going to lose them. Well, I'm telling you, if you don't forsake them, when you're exposed, you're going to lose them. It'll be a whole lot better if you turn to Christ now and say, Lord, I surrender. Take this from me before you lose it all because they're going to walk out on you anyways. All right? But God is faithful and reserving just a few. And I'm so glad for that. But here, you know, they come to Jonah. They find out that he's the cause of it. He said, you want to end this, you're going to have to cast me overboard. And so they throw him out of the ship. And all seems to be at peace. They finally got a hold of the right God that, that could do something about their problem, about their storm, and the water is stilled. But yet, then this well comes up and he swallows up Jonah. And most people, for those of you that were in prison, you understand this. You were in the belly of that well. Most people would like to go ahead and say, well, that's all there is to say about Novi. And just walk away from you. But praise God, that's not the end of the story. Because from the belly of the well, the Lord heard his prayer. He heard his prayer, he heard his cry, and he grants him repentance. And you know, I remember being there in the belly of the well in the county jail, crying out to God, knowing I was going to lose my wife, my kids, my house, all my stuff. And I was crying out to God, and for two solid months... He was silent. And I couldn't hear his voice anymore. The most miserable person in the world isn't the sinner living in his sin. It's the saved man living in his sin. He's the most miserable one. And God's chastisement was heavy upon me. I thought I was lost. I thought I was a reprobate. I thought I had been nothing but a phony all my life. And as I was studying the Word and asking God to speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, I came across that passage in Hebrews chapter 12. Where it says, for whom the Lord loves, he scourges and he chastens every son that he receives. But if you're without chastisement, then you're bastards and not sons. And I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, is that what this is? Is this your chastisement? Because I can't take it anymore. I need you, Lord. I surrender. Just let me hear your voice again. And he began to speak to my heart. He said, Novi, if I had been silent, you would have never cried out to me for two months. The sin that you've been messing with, I want you to hate the very thing that's caused this separation between us. I love you. And I said, Lord, did you give me over to a reprobate mind like Romans chapter 1 says? Is that what this is about? And he said, oh, no. If I had given you over to a reprobate mind, you would have never cared about your sin. I love you and I want to use you. And I said, Lord, if you'll have me, I'll serve you in any capacity. I'll go where you want me to go. And boy, I didn't know it was in the belly of the whale to prison. But he sent me there, and I praise God that he didn't forsake me. But while I was in that county jail, I had a brother. You know, uh, and I, I called him up on the phone, and he, he, he was the chancellor at Bob Jones University. He said, you know, Novi, he said, uh, the Lord can restore that which the locusts have eaten. And I seen how God began to do that work in my life, how he began to cultivate restoration for me. You know, I lost my mom and my dad and my grandparents. They all died while I was incarcerated. But God gave me a dad back. A friend of mine, Dr. Lee Popwell, he's like a father to me. He gave me a father. He gave me a best friend, Andy. He's here to support me. And, and Steve and Brian, they're, they're my best friends. God restored that. You know, my, my best friend was messing around with my wife, I found out. But he gave me a, gave me a family. 
And, you know, I prayed for my son that God would restore my boy to me. I prayed for 2,308 days every day with tears and snot running out. And he brought my boy back into my life. He wrote me a letter. He said, Daddy, I want you to know. He said, he said you know, Daddy, I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And he said, the reason why I haven't been writing you wasn't because of you. He said, it was because of me. He said, I know you're hurting. I don't want you to hurt anymore. He said, but uh, I want you back into my life. And last December, I got to see my son and put my arms around him and love on him. And I get to talk to him every week now. And I praise God for that. And you know, he gave me a, he gave me a job. And I work for a, a good boss over in, in Greenville. I work on Rolls Royces now. And he came to support me, Mitch. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And so we see how God restores that which the locusts have eaten. And He doesn't just close the book up on you after the first chapter. There's more to be written. And I praise God, He's not finished with me yet, and He's not finished with y'all yet. And so maybe... Maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about. Maybe you're, you're in your sin and you're in the belly of the well. Let me tell you, the Lord is of great mercy and of tender compassion. He'll not despise, a, uh, as my brother was saying earlier up here, He'll not despise a smoking uh, a flax. He loves you and He wants you to come back to Himself. And I'm still praying for restoration with my daughter and all those others that I hurt. And I know He's able to do that. And I hope that maybe if you're in that place, you'll call out to Him too because the... the the belly of the well isn't where the story ends. God bless you. It's heating up in here, ain't it? It's heating up in here this morning, ain't it? Woo! The next graduate that I want to introduce is Mr. Mark Weaver. Give it up for Mark Weaver, ladies and gentlemen. As I was praying this week, saying, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Because I want to I wanna give you the glory for all that you have done for me and for these guys. So God says to me, he says, tell him my promises. So there were so many promises when I was in prison. There were so many promises in his word that God gave to me. And I hear my brothers, I hear them as they speak. Joel chapter 2, you hear. You know, I'll restore what the locusts have taken. You know, so one of the, one of the promises that, that I love, and I want to just say this, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you one promise right now, that Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, there I am also. So right now, I want to give Jesus the praise because he's right here with us. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want you to know a little bit about me. For 40 years, for 40 years, I lived at the cross. I was right there at the cross for 40 years. I went to church just about every Sunday. I prayed. I did all the things that everything that y'all would look at me, you say, wow, 
there's a, there's a good guy. For 40 years, I did that. I was right at the cross. I could reach out. I could touch the cross. It was right there. Eight years ago, God says, I want you to live through the cross, not at the cross. You can't live in your sins. You can't live for how other men see you, how other people see you as a good person with a beautiful family who's in church every Sunday. You're doing all the right things, and then you go home and you light up a cigarette. You go home and you get on the computer when your family's gone. You know, I used to almost hope my family would leave so I could get on the computer and live in the addictions that I had. But you would have all said, he's a godly man, he's a Christian, he's a good guy. I was right at the cross. I was right at the cross. But eight years ago, I started living through the cross. Listen, you know what it takes? You know what it takes to quit smoking? Don't pick it up. That's what it takes. Don't pick it up. I'm not saying it's easy. But you know what? One day, the day that I went into jail, never smoked again. Never smoked again. And listen, you can smoke in jail. You can, you can get it. You can pay for it. You can do all that. All you have to do, God did not make robots. It's a choice that you make. You know what happens if you go home right now and you want to get on that computer? You know all you have to do to not look at what you're going to be looking at is don't do it. That's all you got to do. It's the same thing with shooting up. It's the same. Listen, it's hard. When we got these things, we're addicted. We're addicted to these things. We make it easy by saying we're addicted. But listen, through the cross and by my Savior, Jesus Christ, he will give you the strength to live where you say, ooh, I don't want to tell that little lie. That convicted me. I used to think nothing about telling a lie. Now, it's a little scary because someone says, how I look, I tell the truth. You know, <laughs> that gets scary sometimes. But, you, but so, I, I do it with grace, so. But, <laughs> so I just want to get back and I just want to say, there were so many promises that Jesus gave me. And by being in his word and following in his word. But I want to tell you one promise that he gave me. And like I said, there were so, so many. But I just want to read this to you that I lived on for eight years. Zephaniah 3.20 says, At that time I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. Praise God. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, declares the Lord. There were so many times 
that I would be walking around and I said, Lord, you said at that time, when is that time? He says, right now? When God makes you a promise, it's not a one-time promise. That promise continues and continues and continues. And at that time is right now for me, being here with you guys, he's restoring my fortunes. And tomorrow is going to be at that time again. And the next hour is going to be at that time again. My God will restore your fortunes every second of the day. Thank you. And now I'm going to introduce our next graduate, Mr. Alexander Milko, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hello. That's a hard act to follow up. I know him. He was my mentor when I was in prison. And um, I said, don't start crying, homeboy. I'm going to tell my partner. <laughs> but anyway, um, I spent 34 years in, in and out of prison. I'm practically 60 years of age. And I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a goal. I didn't have anything. And, um, this program helped me out a great deal. So I want to say thank you to Jumpstart. I needed that. Um, I'm doing good now. Uh, got me an apartment, got me a car, got a job, but I put God first. So I'm not much of a speaker. I used to give orders, but I'm, I, I'm not much of a speaker. But I just want to say thank you. I made sure I got my tissue for this service. <laughs> Our next graduate that's coming to the stage is Mr. Rick Hemby. Give it up for Rick Hemby, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, y'all. In 1983, my name changed from Ricky Hemby to 1190-83. For 37 years, that was my name. That was who I was. I was a piece of trash, I was violent, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it better than I did eating. Me and my brother, we terrorized a lot of people. But in 1999, God decided that it was time for me to change. I didn't decide it. God did because I came to the end of myself. I had no more hope, I had no love, I had no joy, I had nothing. But through a ministry that came into prison, that's why ministries like Jumpstart is so important. God changed the person that I was. On October the 14th, of 2020, God decided to work a miracle in my life. Because I had actually given up on ever getting out of prison. God gave me parole when I was locked in a cell because of COVID. I didn't even appear before the parole board. I don't think it had ever happened in prison in the history of prison. But God chose to let me out. I went to Jumpstart. 
I left Jump Start after, what, eight months? Because I had to go to where I felt God called me to be. With this, there's a whole roll of people right there, which is my family. For 37 years, I didn't even speak to my family. I lost my brother four months after I got out. But I have gained a brand new family. I have been accepted into this family. What I want to end with saying this is, we may give up on ourselves, but never give up on God. Because he'll never give up on us. Thank you all. What a mighty, mighty God we serve, right? Give it up one time for God. Give it up for God one time in the building. Our next graduate coming to the stage is Mr. Alan Lewis, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Alan. Well, I ain't not a good speaker, but I thank God for everything they've done for me. They make me the man I is today. And I pray for y'all and thank y'all for everything. Now we have coming to the stage. Alan is a man of few words, but when he speak, it's like E.F. Hutton. When he talk, everybody listen. <laughs> so now we have coming to the stage, Mr. Jimmy McPhee. Give it up for Jimmy, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's moments like this that I'd like to just pause and embrace them. Uh, standing in a place that I thought was beyond possible. All those many years I spent in a dark place. But you know, I always give God the glory for the journey and for all of you for making it one of those special moments along the way. Uh, my family, my Jumpstart family, uh, friends, thank you all so much. Uh, I really wasn't sure if I was going to speak today. I asked, asked us to have a little something today. Uh, but you know, it's been one mountaintop experience after another since I emerged from a 45-year prison stay to where I'm standing today. But you know, God showed me something in, in these last 16 months that I didn't quite connect with before. And that is that in order to maintain your stand on the mountain, you must be willing to reach back into the valleys and help pull all this through. And that's what we're here today to celebrate. This fine program that God assembled many years ago to reach into the valleys and bring each one of us through whatever darkness it is we find ourselves maybe consumed by. We all have them. 
whether it's a darkness of the mind, a darkness of the heart, or a physical darkness. And I know a little something about physical darkness. As a 20-year-old child, basically, I was sentenced to die in South Carolina's electric chair and paced the death row cell for three and a half years. And by the grace of God that I did not recognize then, I was released from death row to life with the possibility of parole. But I was told to a man that I would never see the outside of prison again. For the next 20 years, I lived as hopeless as that statement. Ended up in solitary confinement, maximum security, what they call supermax for the violence that I exhibited in prison, just as I had been sentenced as a 20-year-old for the violence I exhibited here in society. But it was in that cell that God gave me something called a perspective change. I learned something about perspective only recently that actually is based in a Latin word that means to look through. Not to look at, but to look through. And I began to think about this perspective thing and how he changed my life, how he changed my prison cell to a prison classroom, how he changed my prison journey to a prison education, how he changed the pain and the punishment through my eyes of prison to one of preparation for what God has. Because see, that perspective I'm talking about is to understand that God wants us to see the world through the eyes in which he sees us and the world and the life he has for each one of us. And that perspective is to understand that we may not see it in the moment, but by faith we walk forward every day, following his commands, obeying and allowing the people he puts in your life to hug you as Jumpstart and other programs that I was involved in on the inside. I became a teacher after being released from solitary confinement and, and then a tutor, went on to graduate Bible college uh, just actually two years ago. And what a blessed journey it's been since then. Released after 18 tries before the parole board, 44 years, nine months, and 20 days behind prison walls, God released me into my future. And But I take none of the credit because God pours into you not only through listening to him in prayer and reading the scripture, his spoken word to each one of us, but to understand he hugs us through the people he puts in our lives. I was hugged dearly, completely, and loved so unbelievably by people from Jumpstart, other people willing to venture into prison gates, fearful at first. And then to find out that anyone will turn around and go back out because of the blessings they receive within the prison walls. Well, today, this last 16 months I told you about, uh, what a glorious mountaintop experience has been one after another. I was ordained as a minister in January, hired as a corporate chaplain in February. Imagine this. My job today, the job description is to make new friends and seek permission to talk about Jesus with everyone I meet. I am also a volunteer for Jumpstart today. I graduated four months ago, have my own place, wonderful car, wonderful job, just a beautiful life. And I want to close with this. You know, John 10.10, Jesus spoke, and he said that... uh, the thief comes only to kill and to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come to give life and give it in abundance. 
I can testify. I was once a disciple of the thief. Today I'm a disciple of the Christ. And I have life and abundance beyond all and exceedingly abundantly beyond anything I could have ever imagined. God bless you. And remember, keep giving it to him because he's got a plan. God bless you all. I'll be brief because um, there's not much else to say. Uh, but all the testimonies in the first service and this one were certainly based on Matthew 12, 20. A smoldering candle Jesus will not throw away. In the time in which Jesus lived, you could take a piece of cloth and put it in a jar filled with animal oil to make a candle. Sometimes the material was not that great and the It would do nothing but smolder. It would fill the whole house with smoke. It was not very attractive. So people would decide, I can't read by it. I can't do business by this smoldering candle. There's only one remedy, and that's to throw it away. Jesus told the story to say, I'm not talking about damaged candles. I'm talking about damaged people, and I don't throw away damaged people. The Bible says, uh, Mark chapter 2, Jesus said, I didn't come to call people who thought they were righteous. I came to call people who said they were sinners into my kingdom. Joseph told Mary, or or the angel told uh, told Joseph, when you have a baby, make sure you name him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ delights. He doesn't just forgive and make people new. He delights in making people new. I... I read this quote this week, that your brokenness is not your barrier, it is your opportunity to know the Lord. It's not a barrier, it's what opens up his love to you. Every damaged heart can be made new by Jesus Christ. Grace, the grace of God is a room full of a thousand mirrors. Every mirror you look into, you don't see yourself, you see the face of Christ reflecting his righteousness and forgiveness back to you. For those who share today, I'd like to offer you a brief challenge. Um, Thank you for your courage, and God did give you clarity. It was great for us. We are trembling with delight. But I do want to let you know this is where sometimes the battle takes on new meaning because you've stepped into the devil's territory to be public for him. When Jesus Christ was baptized at age 30, that's when the devil came after him, when he made a public statement. So I'd just like to give you just a couple thoughts about When you make that statement for the Lord and you feel the devil coming, number one, every day wake up and take a shower of gratitude. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Don't ask him to come in your heart ever again. He's done that once and forever. Just thank him for loving you. Number two, begin every day as soon as your eyes open, you have some degree of strength. Pick up your Bible and read it. Whenever you're reading the Bible, you are hearing the voice of God. Every day, say, God, I need your strength. It doesn't matter if you were strong today. Tomorrow, you need his strength. Tell him tomorrow, God, I need your strength today. And number three, you're going to be tempted the rest of your life. It wouldn't surprise me if some of you this afternoon experienced failure. So it's... It's a part of life, and God knew from the day he made you in your mother's womb, you're going to fail. And he was committed to you that day when you were a little baby, and he's committed to you now. So when you fail, you can get mad at yourself. That's fine. Don't ever think that God is angry with you. 
You can get angry the fact that you believe the lies of the devil, but do not believe that is the same thing as God being angry with you. No, he's ready to forgive you the thousandth time just as he did the first time. Number four, whoever you need to, tell a friend that you're struggling again. Uh, sin is broken the moment you express it to a friend. Jesus offers forgiveness, but it's through friendship that we find freedom. Jesus offers forgiveness, but it's through friendship we find freedom when you get honest. Tell somebody that you're struggling. Um, number five, not only do you begin each day with gratitude, but continue each day with gratitude. Don't look at the people that, um, that were part of your past that hurt you, circumstances that let you down. Look at every day of what God has given you, a cup of coffee, a job, clothes, food, the sandwich that you're about to enjoy. Every day, focus on the gratitude of God's mercy drops that day, not what's happened anywhere around you or through anyone else. Number six, don't ever compare your life with others. Every one of you today did absolutely beautifully. For those of you who say, I'm not a speaker, your soft words were loud words. Don't compare yourself with anybody in this church, anybody in the kingdom. Don't compare yourself with anybody on stage. Nobody can reach the world like you can reach the world. And so it's you. I mean, who else can say I spent 45 years in prison and God had a new life, a new future for me? Only you can say that. And so don't ever compare yourself with anybody else or you'll think I should quit because I'm not like so-and-so. And final, finally, never give up. Uh, quitting is always the worst choice in life because you know what quitting says? Quitting says, um, I'm God and I know the future. Whenever you say, I know the future is nothing but bad, that means that you just said that you're God and you know the future. So every day you need to take out your driver's license and see who you are because the name on there is not God. <laughs> and so you don't know the future. You don't know the beautiful things he's got for you. So don't say the future is going to be bad. Don't quit. The reason I love Matthew chapter 12, verse 20 is this is the verse I sent a few months ago to my nephew who's in prison, my brother's oldest son. He's serving 36 years in a South Carolina prison. And I wrote him this verse. I write him a lot. And I, I, wrote, and I wrote him this day thinking it may be a bad time. You, you ever have a feeling where it's a bad time for somebody? Well, he wrote me three days after, I, uh, after I, uh, he got the letter. He had tried to hang, him, hang himself. And his friends, his inmates, found him hanging in a prison cell. And he almost died. And uh, after he went to the infirmary and, uh, and got his voice back and some strength back, the first email he got was my email about Matthew twelve twenty that a smoldering candle Jesus doesn't throw away. And he knew then that through the timing of that email, there was a new future. Even for his remaining 36 years, there's a new future for him in prison. And he, he knew God had not given up on him. So I want to share with you how the verse ends because some of you think that not only has God given up on the, you, he's given up on the world. It said a smoldering candle God will not throw away until he's brought justice and victory to all the world. So let me tell you, you may think it's pretty bad in the world right now. Uh, it's just a snapshot right now. But Jesus is the executive director and he's working on a big movie. This is just one photograph. These times, these dark times, right? this is just one photograph in the world. But the end of the movie says Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to bring justice and victory to all the nations that trust in him. So this is, this, is a time for, this is a time for hope. Last thing I'll share with you, through faith in Jesus Christ, anyone's future can be greater than their past. 
anyone's future can be greater than their past because just as I read from a word from Carrie, Jesus is the author of the greatest comeback stories. So Don Williams, I want you to come up. Uh, You're going to pray in just a minute. Give our people a a little bit of a a greeting, please. And uh, and, uh, there is not not a brother in this church that is closer to me than Don Williams, and I want you to hear his heart. Thank you, Richard. First off, just on behalf of, of our board and our staff, Jumpstart want to thank you guys at Hope Point. Since 2008, as Richard, Richard talked, there were um, many long conversations that we had about what Jumpstart would look like. And it all started on Chuck and Lynn Field's back porch with myself, Chuck, my wife, Tim, Terry, and Lynn over some grilled chicken breasts and steamed vegetables. It was, it was at that night that we sat and just shared our heart on how we wanted to help men and women coming out of prison. We stayed at Chuck's house till about midnight. And um, the next morning, my wife and I, we came to Hope Point, but we was over at the gym then. And I'll never forget, we got there a little bit early, so we were sitting kind of on the front row. And my wife said, it's such a clean spirit in here. The spirit's just clean in here. And I just want to tell y'all that since that day, I've never seen nothing but a clean spirit here at Hope Point. So y'all give yourselves a round of applause just by the way that you're impacting others' lives. One of the other things that, that I wanted to share, it's a funny story really, is when we first started out, Um, We had one house and we had two guys, you know, that stayed in the first house. We never knew um, what all God's plan was for Jumpstart. We just knew that we wanted to be his arms and legs and we wanted to serve those that have been where we had been. And um, I bumped into Richard at Christian Supply one day and, and he said, well, man, how's it going? I said, well, we got, we got two guys, and, you know, hopefully we can grow capacity to get more. He said, well, let's pray right now, right there in the little gift department at Christmas Supply. Richard prayed for 100 beds. He prayed for 100 beds. Right now, we're at 52. We have, on Thursday, we're breaking ground on 26 acres, and once it's fully developed, we will have 108 beds. Look at God. Look at God. To date, we've had over 3,600 graduates, and only 4% of those have returned back to prison. So the statement is true that our future is greater than our past. And just in my closing, what I want to leave with you is... Um, I know you've heard a lot about Jumpstart today. We also have a table outside where you guys can pick up literature. You can discuss different, if God's been tugging on your heart, we have different volunteer opportunities. But I just want to paint a picture to you guys that still may have a question in your mind. Well, I just, what, what really does Jumpstart do? You know, what, I know they help men and women coming out of prison, but here's the story. Here's the story. So I'm sure everyone in here either have kids or grandkids that you had to help learn how to ride a bike, right? Okay, so I'm going to tell the story anyway. So um, (laughs) this is what Jumpstart does. So when you have a child and you're teaching your child how to ride their bicycle, you know, at first you have to go outside with them and they have training wheels on and you teach them the fundamental of pedaling and then 
doing the stern wheel, right? Eventually, over time, once they get that concept down, you're able to take the training wheels off, right? But you still have to kind of hold the back of the seat to make sure that they don't fall off the bike because remember, they're still getting the concept of riding a bicycle. But then one day, uh uh-oh, then one day, there's going to come a time where you're going to be able to go outside with that child or that grandchild, and they're going to be able to pick up the bicycle and get on it without you um, having to hold the seat. They have gotten all of the fundamentals, the foundational things that it takes to ride that bicycle, and the greatest joy that you will have as a parent or grandparent is watching your child ride that bicycle up the street without you having to help. That's what we do at Jumpstart. When we go into the prisons, we hunkering down, we putting the training wheels on. We teaching them the fundamentals of reentry. Well, as they go through the process and go through the class, then boom, we can take the training wheels off, but we still got to hold the seat because now you're coming outside and you're gonna live life like you've never lived it before. At least for me, I didn't know how to live saved out, out in the world. So Jumpstart is there to kind of hold the seat, you know, to keep things within boundary because you still, you, you, you're implementing those foundational things, but there's still some other fundamentals that you need because you're living life on the outside in a manner in which you never lived it before. So we holding the seat. But then we have days like this where we can let the back of the seat go and watch our program participants pedal off into the destiny and purpose that God has for them. So that's what this day is all about. Let's give it up for all the graduates that's pedaling off into the destiny that God has for them. Congratulations, men and women. 2021 Jumpstart graduation. Give it up for yourselves. You well on your way. You well on your way. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you'll join us again next week.